Hey guys, before we start the podcast today, don't forget to subscribe, click on that notification bell, leave your comments in the comment section, like, dislike, do whatever you want, but just let us know what you're thinking, all right? Also, follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts if you can't catch us on YouTube, all right? Now, today on the Angel of Words podcast, we have Yesa Ramirez, ultrasound technologist, and also my favorite female cousin on deck on the Angel of Words podcast. Hello, welcome to the Angel of Words podcast. And today, our guest is someone who is very close to me, my favorite female cousin on my father's side who has been on the front lines during this coronavirus pandemic, someone I'm very proud of, Miss Yesa Ramirez, ultrasound technologist. Hello, welcome, cuz. How you doing? Welcome to the Angel of Words podcast. Thank you for joining us and giving, giving us some of your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And first and foremost, I just want to say thank you so much for having me and I'm super super proud of you for ha- having your own podcast and being able to express yourself and also having a lot of interesting people on it so I'm super super proud of you and thank you again for having me well thank you thank you cuz that you know that means a lot to me that really does you know it does mean the world to me it's because of people like you having my back that I'm able to t- to keep going through this grind because you know it isn't easy uh you know doing what we do you know I put a lot of a lot of effort into this and I do it to make everyone proud. Just like what you do makes me proud with all with, with the, the coworkers that you have, you know, all the coworkers that you work with, everyone that's been grinding here in New York City, um, you know, making sure that we have everything we need to try to maintain some sort of some sort of normality. Everything that you have been doing has been like such, you know, you're like my hero. Honestly, and because I don't even know that I'll be able to do what you're doing right now, throwing yourself out there on the front lines all the time. And I just want to say that it doesn't go overlooked what you and your coworkers are doing. And I'm very proud of you. And it really makes me really happy to say that, you know, you are related to me, honestly. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, now that being said, you know, now that the kissing ass is out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Because oh, I want to know what your what what your role has been. Explain here to our to the podcast public. Um, you know what your role has been here during the coronavirus pandemic. So as you mentioned before, I'm an ultrasound technologist, and my main role is to actually diagnose patients for the doctors. So the patient comes in for pain, especially like coming in through the ER. We have to find out the reason for pain. So sometimes it could be from ranging from having cholecystitis, which is inflammation of the gallbladder, or having an ovarian torsion, which is the you know the twisting of the ovaries. We have to diagnose that for the doctors in order for them to give the proper diagnosis to their ER doctors, so they can be properly treated. So, so hand- those are one of the few. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So, you know, those are one of the few things that we actually do as um, ultrasound technologists. So you're there on the front lines and you, you, you're essentially hands on, like, you know, um, and you have all this equipment, which so every, all the, the equipment is portable, I would imagine. Yes. Yes, so, they are. 
So you're using all this elaborate portable equipment and, and, and you're just on top of these patients. And like, what, what's the mentality of these patients? Like, what's the, like, what have you noticed from, you know, can you tell when someone you think has Corona, like, you know, what's going through your mind when you see these, when you're dealing with these things, you know, firsthand? Well, you technically cannot tell whether or not a person has coronavirus because the coronavirus actually ranges from mild to severe cases. If a person comes in and they have no type of symptoms, they are asymptomatic, we cannot tell that that person has the coronavirus. And if a person is severely sick, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have the coronavirus. They could be sick from something else. So there's times we have departments called the ICU, SICU, CCU, all those different types of um, departments is because people are in critical condition and they can range from different things. The only way we can determine whether or not a person has coronavirus is they are properly tested. So from there on, we won't know at all. So we have to fully, fully protect ourselves and pretend like everybody comes in with the coronavirus in order for us not to get it. Just to, just to take precaution measures. Now, that being said, you know, you contacted the coronavirus while you were out there on the front lines. Could you tell, tell us a little bit of the symptoms that you were feeling and, you know, like how, what that was like, man? You know, you must have been a little bit scared, I would imagine, you know, when somebody tells you you have a disease that's killing people, you know, randomly. Of course. Um, I got it. I believe I got it from my brother, which he tested out with the coronavirus. He came out positive. Our case was very mild, thank God for that. In the beginning, I've noticed that my brother was the one who became sick, and he lost sleep. He lost a lot of sleep. He had constant headaches. He, he was getting fevers. Um, he lost his appetite. So during that time that he caught the virus, I actually was trying my best to help him. Being the good sister that I am and Always. working in the medical field, <laughs> Um, I actually was giving him, providing him with like Tylenol, a lot of soup, a lot of vitamins, all that. So during the time he was getting sick, I was helping him out. Now, me being naive, coming home, thinking, hey, I want to take off, not even naive, but I wanted to take off my mask coming from a long day of work. And I'm home, I'm thinking, listen, uh, I want to relax. I don't want to have anything on my face. And that's when... I actually contacted the coronavirus from my brother. So since we use the same bathroom and we use the same knobs, even the sink or anything, that's how I got the virus myself. My case was a little bit different. I did lose some sleep. Um, I lost the sense of smell and I lost the sense of taste. Um, I didn't have much fever and I had like other symptoms such as diarrhea um, what else I had? I can't even remember. It's, it's been already two months going on and since we had this virus. But other than that, you know, we try to tra treat ourselves as much as we can. And technically, there's no really any antibiotics for it or any treatment for the virus. So it was very crucial during that time when we did have it. Now, Yesa, you know, th there's a part of the country, you know, that, kind of feels that this coronavirus situation is not that big of a deal. And that's 
putting it mildly. Um, now, you have been there on the front lines. And, you know, I understand that in some areas there's less cases than others. And I already had this conversation on one of my podcasts where, like, I, I understand, you know, that sometimes the stay-at-home orders are a little bit annoying when you know that there's low cases in your counties. And, you know, I spoke about antibody testing for those people in those counties that are dealing with that across the nation. But could you really describe what it's like to to deal with the coronavirus here in New York City, you being in the trenches, just like the mayhem that it must have been. Because, you know, now we're, the cases are lowering, it's subsiding a little bit. But you were there from the beginning of the spike and now towards the end of the mountain, like the Governor Cuomo likes to say. Could you really give us like an in-depth look at to what that was like this these last 78 days and counting? Um... I will honestly say it has been a scary moment for me because I was seeing it at home. I was seeing it at work. I was seeing it coming out from work. Um, People dying from left to right. It has been the most scariest thing ever in life. And I kid you not, if I tell you that I was brave during those times, I will be lying to you. Every day, I, w- I would be scared. When my brother himself caught the vo- coronavirus, I knew he had it before he even got tested. And when I, when I finally got that confirmation that he tested positive, I had to do everything in my power to make sure that that man never went to the hospital or see him having to do or get some type of ventilator. So it won't go to that extreme. So I won't see him die. So a lot of the times when he used to come to me and tell me I had a fever, I used to tell him, you have nothing. I used to treat him as if he was my kid and tell him, no, you don't have anything, you're lying. Like, I used to make him feel like he was just trying to manipulate his brain so he could become stronger so he won't feel that he actually had that fever. I had to, for my sanity, to make sure that he was okay. So all the death that was happening, it was just an impact in my life and having to treat this man in my home, which is my brother who I love dearly. It was a lot. And I don't know how I kept a straight face, how I became so strong, how I was able to defeat this without actually overcoming everything, you know, what's going on in life. And that must have been really intense when you see a patient come in and then they leave in a body bag. You must have seen that repeatedly. I mean, that I can't, I can't say because I wasn't, I, I, I can't disclose those type of yeah. information from what I experienced from the, you know, the hospital and stuff. So. Yeah, but still, man, that, that that's that's intense because you know, I mean, even though you can't disclose it, you know it's happening, you know, and then you have, like you said, you have it at home, you know, it's it, it's a it's really a, a a just a devastating way to live life. Like, what's the morale though? Like, right? What's the morale right now of everyone, you know, of your coworkers and yourself? Like, cause I'm sure this must've been very taxing on your, on your mental health. 
Absolutely. Absolutely it is. You know, and, and, and the good thing is that they do provide services for us, especially if we are under a lot of stress, um, if we need some type of therapy, something therapeutic. Even at home, I do the homeopathic way. I'll go and drink some tea to relax myself, some chamomile tea, even just to unwind. You know, I, I'm not a, uh, I don't drink alcohol, so I, that's my, my go-to when I'm feeling overwhelmed or stressed out. So, you know, or even like even drinking hot chocolate to make me feel like a little kid for a little bit, just to help out for that moment. Um, stuff like that will help, you know, and, and, and I'm grateful that also the diet that we also in um, do in our daily lives has helped as well. So that made us a little bit more stronger. No, I mean you. You guys are strong, and and, and you know, like what? What did you like with, with your coworkers? Like, because you know, you're in a morbid atmosphere. Like, how did you guys interact? Like, you know, did, did you? Is it something like you know you have to like try to cheer each other each other up, even though you know it's just like just a, it's a situation that you've never, no one in this world has seen in the modern world, you know, has seen before. I mean, we were there to support one another, you know, and and even if it was at home that we were dealing it dealing with dealing with it we was helping each other by talking about it and having some sense of it and making the best of it because realistically there wasn't a, a way out of it we were seeing it all over all around so there wasn't much that we could have done or we could have said to one another you know and even when i tested positive there was always support between me and my coworkers, you know, when always the constant checking out, oh, make sure you take vitamins, make sure you drink a lot of warm tea, you know, make sure you drink soup, make sure you drink chicken soup, and I don't even eat chicken. Just they say, just drink, take, um, drink the broth. Don't, don't, don't eat the chicken, you know, stuff like that. That will help. Even the littlest thing, we was just helping in that way, and that just made it just somewhat a little bit better. But in reality, is we were still dealing with this pandemic and you know it was hard and we don't know how to deal with it and we still don't know how to deal with it so you know we just have to take it day by day we constantly pray and making sure that everything you know becomes better and eventually it will you know and and people from out of state don't know the severity that new york has encountered because they don't they don't see the deaths the amount of deaths happening each and every day they think, you know, oh, one or two deaths that they see in their state, it's nothing compared to what we have going on. They're not here. New York is no longer busy. Busy. New York is notorious for being busy. That never sleeps. The city that never sleeps. And in reality, it was sleeping during this time. And it continues to sleep until things start picking up slowly but surely, you know? Now, what do you think about the lack of sensitivity and humanity that some of our fellow Americans out there have shown, uh, you know, throughout the pandemic. When you oh, get- I was go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, right. I would say that some are a bunch of asinine people. I can't express that. Oh my God! Like, there's been times where, you know. Governor Cuomo had mentioned we have to stay home. We have to be in quarantine no matter what. All the stores were closed. The only thing that was open is just restaurants just to take out. But there was people coming out. I, I don't get that. 
I was on my way driving home, I mean, to work, and I see traffic. I'm encountering traffic. Why am I encountering traffic while I'm going to work when you're supposed to be home? How do you expect us to get better when you're constantly going out? You're not protecting yourself. You're not being considerate of others. I would have loved to stay home during this quarantine, but I wasn't. I was risking people. I was actually, I was risking my life to save others. And people were not seeing that. You know, and especially during the, in the beginning with the elders that we had to be careful and be mindful of. Now we have little kids getting the virus and dying from it. And that's sad. And people not getting it through their head, through their thick skull. This is serious. Yeah, Jason. I mean, and it is serious. And, you know, I, you know, I'm the type of person, like, I understand, you know, you only live once, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not the type of person that likes to infringe on other people's liberties. But my, my, my thing is this, you know, if you put our, in a war, you need bullets, you need guns, you need ammunition, you need resources, you need human resources to win, you know, and, and, and if we don't put, and if we put our healthcare workers, which are, which are essentially our weapons against the coronavirus at risk, then who's going to take care of the people that are sick, you know, and, and just that, that's really been like what I, what I really hated about, uh, this situation and, you know, people thinking that it, it really isn't that serious, but, uh, you know, there has been some good humanity, you know, I, I want to stay a little bit positive because, you know, people have been, uh, from what I hear, people have been bringing food to the hospitals and you guys have been taking care of, like, do you get a chance to eat? Do you get a chance to at least get a good meal in so you can keep your energy up out there? You know, have they been taking care of you guys in that respect? Absolutely. And I truly respect those who have initiative to help us during this time and you know and they cook for us each and every day and and it's awesome they provide sometimes supplies to us as well as far as food and paper towels and, and toilet paper you know it, all that is, is awesome how you know some people are coming together and united during this time you know and honestly during this time this has been less crime less people hacking into computers, also less people calling from, I don't want to say it, but from China, speaking to you in, in Mandarin, like, oh, you know, like, the, all those, yes, the scam likely calls has become less, you know, so that's the good thing about this whole virus, you know, <laughs> you got to laugh a little bit, yeah. you know, so. <laughs> there has been less, less scam likely calls. I'm like, nobody's worried about my credit anymore. What's going on? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so I've noticed that, you know, that's the good of, of, of having this, somewhat of this virus. But, you know, there's always, you always have to find some type of humor, um, yeah. even when we all are crying, you know, especially the people at the front line, like myself, try to find humor in any means necessary. And, you know, we, we're going to continue moving on forward, for sure. And now that things are lessening, like, you know, um, is it, is it, a little bit of a breath of fresh air. Like are people seeing like there's going to be an end in sight? Like what's the morale in terms of like the ending situation and the reopening? Are you guys getting anxiety because we may be reopening? Do you feel it's still a little bit too soon? Like, you know, what's the overall morale when it comes to that? Um, 
I think it's a little too soon still. I I believe, you know, that we still haven't reached that part where we need to stop or the the severity of what it had on us. But, I mean, I'm not the governor, nor am I the mayor, so they are the ones that make that decision when they want to open. I know I... Um, I do it. <laughs> Put on break. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. But you do I feel comfortable know. the way things are going right now. Like you feel like we're on the right path. Things, things, things are getting better. It's not what you were witnessing during the actual climax of the coronavirus situation in New York. It is getting better. It is yeah. getting better. Little by little, it is getting better. But they're talking about a uh, second wave during the fall, so. It's going to take some time, you know, and I guess we're going to find ways to actually deal with it a little bit more better. Well, I mean, now we have reserves of PPE, you know, we have ventilators, we have everything we need to be ready for a second wave. Hopefully it doesn't happen. You know, hopefully we get to a situation where like, you know, people are are practicing safe measures for the for the foreseeable future. Because I'm look from what we've seen, if we social distance, if we actually all together do take the right precautionary measures to 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 keep each other safe, it works. You know, it works. You know, we could isolate this virus and get rid of it in New York, you know? Hopefully. You know, and and, and I feel like, you know, we've been doing, you know, overall a decent job. You know, I'm just scared about the other states that come and travel over here that haven't been taking those precautionary measures, you know, coming and just re-sprouting the virus all over again. Because you can see we can get overwhelmed really quickly. It's not a joke, you know? What about us? What about when we travel over there to their country or their state? How do they feel about us? They, they feel way worse than what we feel about other people coming in. Because at the end of the day, guess what? Who, who were the ones that actually tested the most positive? Yeah, it we was did. us. You're right. So, You're right. you know, how people will feel about that. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's true. No, you know, and, and, and that's right now that, you know, that's really the big issue right now. You know, how are we going to treat each other? How are we going to treat travel? You know, um, you know, what's going to happen with, with the essential workers? How are we going to repay them? Because you guys deserve big repayment. Like, I'm, I'm all about absolving any any um debt that you have to, to the government for student loans. If you were an essential worker, and it, to me, it doesn't really matter if you were delivering groceries, working at the boat bodega or you know and 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 on the front lines in the actual hospitals you know the you should be rewarded for your heroism to be completely honest i'm not talking about medals i'm not talking about awards i'm talking about something tangible that that is really going to be life-changing that will make you feel like yo bro like you said i was going to work you said yourself just now i was going to work scared every day Fighting something I had no idea what it was, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and thank yous are great, but like, I believe in, in, in a thank you, that's going to mean something for your future and your kids futures and, you know, and, and, and everyone's mental health, you know, because, you know, you come out of this and then what, you know, it's oh like, thank you so much, you know? Like, yeah, I know you were doing your job. That's what you signed up for. But these are abnormal things, you know? And these things may continue happening. Like, you know, you said there may be a second wave. So I think that these, you know, all frontline workers, people out there really, you know, getting it, 
making sure that we, we are taken care of do get, you know, uh, depths absolved or something something important that something happens i hope something happens to them that is really important and impactful that makes them really feel like wow like yo the country took care of us and that's why i love to live here in the united states of america you know now that being said how the hell does somebody become an ultrasound technician? That sounds like a super dope <laughs> gig to have, not for nothing. Maybe not during these times, but you know, like, like well, what's that like, man? You know, because you know, you know, we get older. You know, it's not that we lose touch, but like, you know, when we see each other, we're not really trying to talk about work, you know. But I really want to know, like, the travails of how you became a ultrasound technician, because I'm so proud of you, man. Thank you. Well, before I answer that, uh, the conversation you, the statement you said before with the whole student loan, hopefully they do pass a law, um, you know, that they'll give us, they'll take away our student loan. That would be awesome. But the littlest thing that New York has done for us, I, me personally, truly, truly appreciate it. At seven o'clock every night, I hear everyone outside showing all the healthcare workers love. And it's by them whistling or banging on the pots. And that right there puts a smile on my face because I believe the littlest thing just matters. And then at that moment, it makes me feel so proud and honored that I'm actually part of that. And especially it's not for the littlest thing, it's for the world. So I am truly want to thank each and every person who at 7 o'clock every day religiously always show us some love um as far as being an ultrasound tech i <clears throat> i can't remember what year it was but i was working at a rehab center and one of my co-workers at that time she had said oh look jace there's a school that's providing ultrasound tech classes I think you and I should register. And I go and I tell her, let's do it. Come on. Let's become somebody. So she goes, yeah, yeah, let's do it. At that time, she had kids. She, I end up going by myself because she eventually was like, oh, I'm going to wait till the following year. I was naive when I went in. I was under the impression that ultrasound is only to scan babies. So I was telling everybody, oh, my God. I'm going to become an ultrasound tech. I'm only going to be scanning babies, fetuses. No, that wasn't the case. I became so in love with ultrasound because it was all different types of pathology that I would be seeing as a tech. And it ranges from seeing cancer in the thyroid or even seeing the little benign nodules in the thyroid or diseases in the liver or even seeing the blood clot in the leg, in the arm, anywhere in the body. And as I became more involved in the studies and working full-time and going to school full-time, I had no days off, technically no days off, going to school seven days out of the week, working five days out of the week, full-time, everything. It was a dream come true. But it was never where it became easy for me. Everything was always a challenge, you know? Uh, I like to say that a lot of times I'm not a good test taker. So when it came down to me actually taking those exams 
and trying to have a license, a state license, it was very hard. I struggled, but I never gave up. And it didn't matter how many times I went and took those exams. The good thing is I never gave up. As much as I wanted to, I had people behind me, the amount of support that kept me going. And now this is where I'm at now. And I'm proud to say that, yes, I am a tech. I am a healthcare worker that I'm helping other people live, you know, and, and, and it's a good feeling. And I get to work hand in hand with um, doctors, radiologists, you know, and I'm able to properly diagnose patients when they are coming in for some type of pain or, you know, discomfort or whatever the case might be. Because all my life, I always wanted to help people. And this is the field where I decided to be in. No, and it's a great field. And you handle complex equipment like the Samsung HS50, the Siemens Agison <laughs> S300. Like, you're a beast. You even, do, you even work with in vitro fertilization. Like, what's that about? Like, can you, can you like, explain? Like, how does an ultrasound technique, like, what is their role in in vitro fertilization? I'm curious. So um, when I was working at uh, IVF clinic, it's actually helping female get pregnant. So a lot of the females come in and they want to either freeze their eggs or they want to come in and actually um, get pregnant. We were able to, as a sonographer, we were able to scan and see how many eggs there are. Um, that was mostly our part. And then the doctors will handle the rest. And also helping doctors see when they insert the catheter with the embryos and we'll be able to help the doctors see that the embryos are being inserted into the endometrium which is in within the uterus that's where the, the female carries the baby so that was pretty cool that was a very cool experience also we have to make sure that there was any type of fetal demise which is uh when you see that the, uh, the patient is pregnant and the, the baby's not the, there's no heartbeat for the baby so we had to also help in the doctors assist to make sure and confirm that there there was no positive, um, there was no fetal heart rate. So all that was like our one of our duties as a tech in in vitro in IVF. How does it feel when you when you when you're with a mother for the a first time mother and you see the look on their face when they see that heartbeat? That must be dope. It is. The only thing is we're not allowed to say anything Ew. because we're not. See, I don't doctors. have children. I don't know. I've, I've learned so much these last three weeks. I'm really <laughs> proud of all the, all the guests that I've had on this show. Like, you know, like, you know, I'm such a dumb Neanderthal man. You know, it's good to like. You know, no, like, not at all. Not at all. Every day is a learning hey, experience. I know. I love Even it, but me. I love this podcast. I'm becoming smarter and smarter by the week, you know. <laughs> so they're not allowed to see the heartbeat. So explain that process to me. I've never been in that room. Well, some people, some clinics, were um, as techs, we're not allowed to say anything to the patient at all. No matter where we are, we're not allowed to say anything. We're not doctors. We diagnose the patient for the doctor, and the doctor will have the, his last impression. So God forbid the patient comes in and there's a fetal demise. We're not allowed to say, hey, by the way, you have a dead baby. You have a dead baby inside, you know, that will heart, the mother will be so heartbroken, you know, like, and then we could get also sued for that. 
it's up to the doctors to make disclose that to the patient. Okay. Well, I'm talking about the live babies, sure. not the dead, not, not the not the not the ones that have unfortunately uh, uh, terminated. You know, I'm talking about what, like the when you when you get, get that heartbeat for the first time for a first time mother. Yes. So I'm still not allowed to say anything. Okay. So it's the same concept. Yeah, it's okay. the same concept. I I don't say anything because at the end of the day, because you never know. In the beginning, you see a heartbeat. Later on, they after this, something happens and there's no heartbeat anymore. Gotcha. And then they'll go and reflect back. They say, but that tech told me there's a positive heartbeat. You know, like, gotcha. no, you can't say that. We're not doctors, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, is there anything else we should know about that process when it comes to being an ultrasound tech? It's a good experience. You get to learn a lot. You get to learn all the different types of diseases. Every day is a learning curve, and that's what I like about it. I love, not like, I'm in love with my career. And you become stronger as a person. Um, You deal with the people better. You interact with people, you know, and you get to have an understanding, and you make them feel comfortable, and you're telling them that the the procedure that's going to be performed on them and you know that's what that's what I love I love to do. I love to interact with people. I love to tell them, hey, you know, I hope everything goes well for you. Good luck, or you know, whatever the case might be. Well, yes, I'll be honest with you. Like, you know, I am so proud of the woman that you've become. You know, you know, you've always been a very altruistic, you know, girl. Always focused, man. And it just it just makes me proud that you haven't lost your integrity. You haven't been in a situation where you felt like you were your back was against the wall, or even if you did, you never did anything. You know that you felt like you didn't really want to do. You know, you've always tried to do things the right way. And I really, you know, I really appreciate that because, you know, as a human being looking at it from an outside point of view, you know, it really motivates me. You know what I mean? It really makes me feel like, man, like, you know, my, 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 my cousin is strong, you know, and and you're a great role model to everyone in our family. And, uh, you know, I just want to say thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Thank you so much for bringing us into your world and letting us know, you know, what it was like, you know, during these last, you know, basically it's going to be like 90 days, you know, in the struggle, you know. And thank you so much for being for being there and taking care of your brother and just, you know, just being a strong maternal human being, man, I really appreciate it. It's, 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 it's really something that, you know, I will never forget. And I will always, always look up to. Thank you for having me, man. And I appreciate you giving me the time of the day just to me voice my opinion and say, you know, what I do and how important is one of the important roles of during this time, this pandemic. So thank you again for having me at the podcast. One more thing, Ms. Ramirez, what, what would you like to tell all the little boys and little girls out there, you know, because you work in the tech field, there's about 17.3 million, million jobs in STEM altogether. And a lot of people are looking, you know, looking for places for good careers that are satisfying and you seem to be satisfied. What would you like to tell all those little boys and girls out there that may be lost and, and may and listen to this podcast and listen to, you know, what you've done? Like, what would you tell them in terms of like, you know, a message? Uh. Stay in school. Make sure you know what you you want to do early in life so you can at least be able to enjoy your money once you start earning it, you know, and, and don't give up on your dreams. You know, it's, it's always, it's always uh, as you get older, you start reflecting back on 
why did I waste so much time when I could have already been doing this for a long time? So, you know, just continue moving on forward and hopefully you find what you love to do just as much as I do. Well, beautiful. Thank you so much, Cuz, for joining the podcast. That was Yesa Ramirez, ultrasound technologist. And uh, God bless, Cuz. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. All right. Ciao. I hope you enjoyed my interview today with Yesa Ramirez, ultrasound technologist, and also my favorite female cousin on my father's side. And if you want to continue listening to the world, the Angel of Words podcast, please, uh, you know, on YouTube, click on the notification bell, like, dislike, do whatever you want, comment, let us know what you're thinking. You can follow us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to catch my shenanigans on social media, follow me at Angel of Words. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Talk to you later.